on paper, week seven of college football was the worst week of the season so far. In actuality, it was the wackiest week of the season so far. In a week when not one game featured a pair of top 25 teams, four, count them, four top 10 teams went down. Number 10, Auburn, daytime road loss to a rejuvenated but still ultimately mediocre LSU team. Number eight, Washington State gets embarrassed Friday night by Cal and Berkeley. Mike Leach, what happened, man? More from the Pac-12. Number five, Washington stunned in Tempe Saturday by Arizona State. The Huskies scored just seven points against the Sun Devils team that had allowed an average of 36 a game going in. And then finally, second-ranked Clemson goes down at the Carrier Dome Friday night. The Tigers losing their starting quarterback in the process. I bring up all these games, one, because I can't believe four top 10 teams lost on a weekend where only one of those said teams was supposed to be kind of challenged, Auburn playing against LSU. And two, because that feeling of hopelessness and frustration Sooner Nation felt at this time last week has been transferred onto four other fan bases. And I got to say, it feels really, really good. Now to OU. The Sooners beat Texas on Saturday. It was a game where, watching in the moment, it really felt like OU was trying its best to give it away. But when the Sooners needed a big play late at the Cotton Bowl, on offense and on defense, OU came through. A big thank you to the Sooners for showing up for the most part in Dallas on Saturday and getting out of the Texas State Fair with a wholly satisfying win over their biggest rivals. That victory coupled with what happened throughout college football this past week, has rejuvenated my excitement for the rest of the season. I just hope that excitement remains until January. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Unranked Texas, up a point on 12th-ranked Oklahoma. Here's Mayfield, Heisman hopeful, wide open and complete. Mark Andrews, Baker Mayfield does it! And with that, Mark Andrews and Baker Mayfield welcome us into today's edition of West of Everest, a post-Red River Showdown victory edition of West of Everest. I'll bring in my brother Grant to talk OU Texas here in a moment, but first, I want to thank everyone who has been listening to the show since all the way back in August. If you have a moment, please give us a rating on iTunes and maybe even leave us a review. That would be great. Of course, West of Everest available on iTunes, also available on SoundCloud. If you'd like to contact the show, have any questions for us, want to tell us your favorite part of the OU Texas game, email westofeverest at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9, and Grant is at Grant Benson 25. All right, time to bring in Grant. And Grant, I got to read this text that you sent me Saturday at 624 Central Standard Time. And it goes like this, quote, West of Everest going to be lit tomorrow. Let's go, end quote. And, and so, so here we are. How's it going? Thank you very much, Lee, for bringing that, uh, bringing that up to me again. Um, I was very, very heated slash excited at the end of that game yesterday. Uh, figured that we would the have. game on Saturday. A, I, th- I'm sorry. We record on this on Sundays, just to clarify. We record on Sunday. Sorry. I'm working on that, everybody. Um, I, I was very fired up. I, I knew we would have a lot to talk about today. Well, we do indeed. And the talk of the game, well, there's plenty of talk. There's plenty to talk about regarding this game, of course. But what we want to do today is start with the Oklahoma defense against that Texas offense. Because coming into Saturday's game, Grant, you and I and the rest of Sooner Nation, for the most part, had no idea how to predict how this game would go because we had no idea what Oklahoma defense would show up against the Longhorn offense. And what we ended up seeing, Grant, was an Oklahoma defense that looked a lot different than how the Sooners played against Iowa State. What are your initial thoughts on what you saw from the Sooners defense against Texas, Grant? First of all, I think the people who came into this game who thought that Texas maybe was just going to go up and down the field on the Sooners, uh, first of all, hasn't hasn't been watching the OU defense this year. Um, I think you and I have, or especially me, have, have harped on that, that uh, maybe the OU defense hasn't been 
as bad as a lot of people think they are. Uh, there are not a lot of teams who are just lining up and driving the ball down the field easily on the Sooners' defense. That's, that still hasn't particularly happened this year. Um, it, it, that was the case yesterday as well. Texas had to earn every single yard they got. I thought the OU defense lead was spectacular. From the onset, I thought the Sooners' defense did exactly what I anticipated they would do. OU was extremely prepared schematically and also came into the game with an aggressive mindset to try and force the issue against Texas. Of course, though, I predicted all of that with the caveat that I wasn't sure that all of that would mean Oklahoma would be able to actually force Texas into bad situations and then ultimately make plays. But throughout the course of the game, Grant, I think we saw that the Sooners' defensive strategy worked really well for the most part, but it also burned OU on a few instances, which I'm sure we'll get into throughout the course of this podcast. But I want to start or continue talking about the Oklahoma defense. I wrote down in my notes as I was watching the game back yes, uh, on Saturday, and at the 422 mark of the second quarter, I wrote my notes, my God, Oklahoma's defense is awesome right now. I can't believe how well the Sooners are playing. And at that point, Texas had had the ball five different times. And the Longhorns, here are their total yards gained on each of their first five possessions, Grant. First possession, 20 yards. Second possession, negative seven yards. Third possession, six yards. Fourth possession, 32 yards. Fifth possession, four yards. 55 total yards allowed by the Oklahoma defense in the first five Texas possessions. What an amazing start to the game by OU. Yeah, I, I thought they were great. Uh, the defensive line and spectacular. I thought everyone had a good game. Um, everybody stood out to me on the defensive line. Um, we, we had said before we had gotten on lead when Texas had tried to drop back the pass, uh, throw the ball conventionally, they weren't able to because the defensive line collapsed the pocket so quickly all night. It, they, they played well. Um, I, I thought they really did address a lot of the issues that were apparent in the Iowa State game, and it looks like they really tried to work on them, and it, uh, it manifested itself during the course of the game. Uh, it was really nice to see all of the pressure, the different looks. I don't think they, they, they were – they didn't blitz as much as I was expecting them to. They definitely blitzed a lot more um, than they did against Iowa State, but – they disguised everything really well in this game. Even when they didn't send pressure, they made it seem like they were sending pressure, and they were doing it from uh, from a lot of different angles. They disguised coverages. It just it, it was it was night and day from what we saw last week, and it was just really refreshing to see. Lee, this is an Oklahoma defense that is normally a base four three with three four tendencies that plays a lot of cover two and a lot of cover three against Texas Grant. OU was in man basically the entire game. They played man coverage. 95% of the time and I I was happy to see that I want to highlight a particular play on the third possession of the game for Texas and this kind of goes to what you were talking about a moment ago about how Oklahoma did a nice job of disguising things and confusing Texas especially in the first part of the game it was third and four for Texas Oklahoma was showing a three four look the Sooners showed blitz with Caleb Kelly and Emmanuel Beal. Stephen Parko is up also near the line of scrimmage, so that's your that's your one of your safeties, your strong safety playing up near the line of scrimmage. Parker dropped back to play center field at the snap of the ball. I mean, dropped way back, and so Ellinger saw him at the front, but then at the snap, all of a sudden he wasn't there anymore. He was back in coverage. Caleb Kelly fakes like he's going to blitz and then drops back at the snap as well. The Sooners end up dropping eight on that play, and Kenneth Mann is able to get to Ellinger and force him to throw it away. It was just it was a perfectly executed eight-man drop, and that was a, a, a strategy Oklahoma implemented a lot of the game. That was the best they looked when they dropped eight in that game. Sometimes it didn't work out very well, but that that's one that I really noticed that that looked great. And it was it was cool to see an Oklahoma defense do that. And I know Mike Stoops has gotten a lot of criticism uh, basically ever since the second stint now in Norman, you know, of those of those three man fronts dropping eight, not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I generally don't have a lot of issue with only rushing three, especially in third and fourth and long situations. I just, I just wish you know they would be a lot more creative with it. It's okay to to rush three as long as the other team doesn't know where those three guys are coming from. And I thought in this game they did a really good job with that. And and I hope we see more of that going forward. I guess I'm just kind of confused as to why we don't see that all of the time. Um, Texas week shouldn't be the only excuse to you know 
to dust off some parts of that defensive playbook. I don't understand why we don't see that all of the time from Mike Stoops defensively. Yeah, I don't either. That's a great point, and that's something that I was going to bring up just as an overall thought about the defense. But since you brought it up right now, I'll go to it right now. I love that Mike Stoops challenged his guys to play a ton of man coverage against Texas, sent a lot of blitzes, and and really, I think Oklahoma blitzed more in that game than I've seen them blitz all season long. I, I don't remember I a whole lot of blitzes really honestly against Ohio State. I, I mean, they sent a lot of people from a lot of different angles. I don't remember a whole lot of safety blitzes at all until against Texas. They sent Stephen Parker and Khalil Houghton from the safety position a handful of times, even Parnell Motley from the, the inside corner spot one time. So, like you said, it was very creative, and Mike Stoops dialed it up, for the most part, pretty well against Texas. So, at the, at the same time, though, there were a good amount of mistakes in man coverage, considering that Oklahoma played man basically the entire game, and a lot of it was where the linebacker, a linebacker, whether it was Kenneth Murray, Emmanuel Beal, didn't really know who he was supposed to cover because whether or not Texas maybe motioned a guy out or they had a, a nub, which is kind of like a tight end off the off the left tackle or off off the wing there, and, and the linebacker was not able to identify who they were supposed to cover. There were some mistakes, but I do want Oklahoma to do this more throughout the year. And like you said, why does it come up more and more during the Texas game? Why can Oklahoma use this a lot more throughout the season? I think the more man Oklahoma plays, the more comfortable everybody will be in those situations, which then hopefully leads to fewer mistakes. I think this is how the Sooners defense can be more than serviceable and pretty good throughout the year going up against these hyper-aggressive passing Big 12 teams. Yes, Lee, this is, this is how you're supposed to play defense in the Big 12. Aggressive, hair on fire, force the offense uh, that you're going against to make mistakes. Um, I, I, I don't think that you're going to be very successful if you just sit back and let the offense dictate the pace of the game. Uh, Mike Stoops refused to do that yesterday, and that's why, that's why the Sooners won this game. Mike Stoops' defense won this game for the Sooners. Um, and I think, you know, in, in a normal game, you're not going to, I think you're going to see, based off of how well the OU defense played, I, I, they played well enough to not give up 24 points. They, they played better than that. They, they deserved some better fates than, than what they actually got in this game. Um, I, I think Texas had, had a shade over 400 yards of offense. They earned every single yard of that. Nothing came easy to Texas yesterday. Um, they had a lot of stuff. I, I know you and I were kind of split on how we wanted to handle the officiating. You wanted to bring it up. Uh, I, I just wanted to bring it up. Just say we. Everyone knows. Everyone saw the game. We know it was really bad. We know it probably helped Texas out a lot. That's all I wanted to say about it, Lee. Just because I, I feel like going in, you know, going into it deeper other than that is just is conjecture, and we can never know one hundred percent what if, what would have happened if they would have called those penalties. Um, but what, what did you think, Lee? How, how do you think the officiating? What, what sort of role do you think? it played in the game. I agree that the officiating certainly helped Texas more than it helped Oklahoma on Saturday. Let's, let's leave it at that. Further, I, I love how I say, let's leave it at that. And then I want to talk more about you it. You go further. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. So, okay. So let's, I'll meet you halfway. You wanted to just kind of bring it up and then move on. I wanted to talk about it extensively because I have a gigantic yeah. list of calls that I saw either were not called or were bad calls. I, counted six and there may have been more but you know what again I'll meet you halfway how about this I'll bring up a call that was actually a good call by the officials and then I'll highlight I think probably the worst call of the game so first off I think that's fair first off I'll highlight a play where at the time I was like oh no come on that's ridiculous but then upon re-watching the film and going back it was a good call by the officials that went against Oklahoma, and that came on the Dimitri Flowers touchdown where Orlando Brown was called for holding. Brown did hold the guy, and I think, Grant, we were talking off the air previously. You actually watched this in more detail than I did, but did you say or did you notice that Brown got his foot stepped on or something like that, and he, he yeah. kind of – to me, it looked like Brown – it wasn't that egregious, but it was one of those things where it looked like he grabbed the guy and they both fell to the ground, which is always called for holding, it seems like. Basically, on the snap, they got their feet tangled up, um, and they both fell to the ground, and Orlando did have his hand wrapped around the other guy's shoulder pad. Um, he, he removed it almost instantly. He maybe only had his hand on there for about a minute, but as soon as you start to fall down and you actually do have a handful of shoulder pad or Jersey, you're going to get called for that every single time. Now, do I wish that Texas's guys were called for that penalty all day? Yes, I do. 
but in that instance, the officials made the right call on that play. I just think a lot of people are upset about it because of everything that went on called on the other side of the ball, Lee. So there's the good call where it went against Oklahoma and it actually was a good call. Okay, we'll give it that. I do want to mention before I mention uh, the egregious call, the last drive of the second quarter where Texas was able to get a field goal to cut the lead to 20-10, to 10, there was some missed calls that helped Texas get the ball into field goal position, where if, whereas if holding was called, Texas probably doesn't get a field goal out of that and goes into the halftime down 20-7 to 7 instead of 20-10. to 10. But I won't get into details of that. The, the one I want to point out, and most people that are Sooners fans listening to this podcast probably know exactly where I'm going with this. The play in the fourth quarter, the late hit against Devontae Lampkin, where he held up and he he, he went into Ellinger. And, and how do you want to describe it? He uh, he it made contact like- with Ellinger and Ellinger played it off like he should have. He he went down because, I mean, it's like an acting thing. It's almost like soccer at this point, which he was smart for him to do that because you never know when you're going to get a call. And, of course, he got the call. The flag came out, and it was called a late hit on Lampkin. Might have been the worst call I've ever seen, which is a statement people say all the time, and maybe I've seen worse calls. And, actually, yeah, I have seen worse calls, come to think of it. The uh, call in the Texas A&M Arkansas game earlier this year where official called a Texas A&M player out of bounds where he was obviously still in bounds was pretty awful. But anyways, terrible call against Lampkin. And I want to just say this, Grant, and Sooners fans, and you will certainly remember this, that play call had shades of Travis Lewis and Colt McCoy from 2008. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Where Travis Lewis was called for a late hit against Colt McCoy, I think, twice in that OU Texas game that, Twice, that extended exactly Texas the, drives and it was both calls were awful. Twice, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Let's let's just let's let's revisit that just just really quickly in <laughs> case and in, 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 in case there's people who don't know what we're referring to. Twice in that twice in the second half of that 2008 OU Texas game, Travis Lewis tried to grab Colt McCoy as they were going out of bounds to slow him up and both times Colt McCoy slipped on whatever whatever substance is on the ground on the sidelines and the uh, the officials threw the flag both times and it I'm pretty sure they were both on third down and they bo- both gave Texas first downs both times so at least one of them was up. on third down I'm not sure if both yeah. were but it th- both definitely extended Texas drives and gave the horns momentum in that game and that was a 10 point right. game that that Oklahoma needed as many breaks as they could have gotten but they sure didn't seem to get any I appreciate you bringing that up, Lee. I totally forgot until now how upset I still am nine years later about that. So thank you. I appreciate it. And just one last note on the Lampkin penalty. People watching the game, I was watching the game as, as most people were. ESPN even brought their rules expert on, and he said that he would have left that alone and not thrown a flag. In addition to the two commentators who were, were uh, let's just say, surprised that a flag came out. So that was the, uh, the, the worst one. There were more that were not called, but... And, and the idea guess, of not going too long on this, we'll just leave it alone. Okay, I, I guess I get as long as we're gonna go. I, I do feel like I need to bring up the the Ellinger touchdown run. Then um, I I went back. I watched this play. I've seen this play in its entirety at least ten or fifteen times now. There were three blatant penalties on that touchdown run that the officials missed. That I'm just I'm upset about. Amani Bledsoe was blatantly held about about a second after the ball was snapped. He was bearing down on Ellinger. He definitely would have gotten to him without the hold. Um, he would have blindsided him. He would have gotten him pretty hard. Um, about a second after that happened, uh, Texas offensive lineman whipped his leg around and intentionally tripped Devontae Lampkin. That should have been a 15-yard personal foul penalty. Um, and then at about the five-yard line, um, Texas is running back. I can't remember which one it, it it was at the time who was in um, literally tackled Emmanuel Beal to the ground, right? As Ellinger was going into the end zone. Uh, So about 35 yards worth of penalties that should have been called on that play that were not. Um, But uh, I I swear that's, that's all we're going to say about the officials into this game. Of course, I went into this saying that I didn't want to say anything about the officials. And of course now we spent like five minutes on it to put the bow on the officiating. I'll just end with this. And as we were recording this podcast, uh, some of you, most of you may know that I work at News 9 in Oklahoma City at KWTV and sports director Dean Blevins, who played at, at Oklahoma, played quarterback for the Sooners. He's been at News 9 for, for quite some time. He was at the game at the Cotton Bowl and I just saw a tweet from Dean 
And here's what Dean said, and it was about the officiating. He said, and, and Dean would know he's seen a ton of OU Texas games, more OU Texas games than you and I have seen, Grant. And Dean said on his tweet, the officiating was the worst in at least 50 years of OU Texas. Not just bad call here or there, start to finish. So that is okay. the end of that take- on the officiating. I'll take I'll take Dean's word for it. And uh, going back to the defensively, I guess just to get this back on track, um, I, I I do want to point out one more time just how well the defensive line played. Uh, they consistently got pressure. Man, Texas's offensive line had a really really rough day. Um, and if 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 the officials would have would have thrown that little yellow hanky a lot more, I think I think more people would have realized how bad of a day they had. Especially their their poor left tackle Denzel Okafor had a really really <laughs> rough day. And his uh, the officials really helped him out. He held Oboe. Um, I went by. This was just a one rewatch of the game. Oboe got held about six or seven times, and it wasn't called like blatantly held. Um, so, well, well, how about let's <laughs> we we continue to try to move away from the officiating. We're gonna move but away. But I can't. You mentioned yeah, it's, Oboe. It's so hard. We're, we're doing it now, though. We're doing it now. And speaking of Oboe, I want to highlight this play. And this was in the first half, back when Oklahoma was having their amazing start to the game in their first five drives. I'm sure you remember this play, Grant. It was fourth and eight for Texas, and it was they were going for it around midfield-ish. And the Sooners showed blitz but dropped eight on the play. And Oboe just absolutely blows up the play by getting by two or three different guys and forces Ellinger out of the pocket into a bad throw. And that was just Oboe dominating the Texas offensive line by himself on that play. Do you remember that one? Yep, I do. This was the best game that Oboe has played as a Sooner. He had this was an all American level performance. He was that good. Um, Lee Obo Obo should have had five or six sacks in this game. That's how good he was. Um, it's it if that's what we're going to see from Obo the rest of the season, um, the Sooners, the Sooners defense, their their issues getting to the quarterback may be over because that was that was a hell of an effort we saw from Obo in that game. And you saw him after the game, he was just spent, he had absolutely nothing left. Um, they the defense was on was on the field for so much of the fourth quarter and and he was he was still getting pressure consistently. There's what what a game by Oboe. He played so well. I will say though, Grant, you and I have been praising the defense, which the defense certainly does deserve praise, but Oklahoma certainly did make mistakes against Texas. First 26 minutes of the game, I talked about how Texas only gained 55 yards of total offense. Well, the final 34 minutes of the game, Texas was able to accumulate 373 yards of offense. So what happened? Why did OU's defense start to give up yards? Simply put, it was a mixture of Texas executing pretty darn well and also Oklahoma missing some tackles and then, not to bring it back, but being penalized. But Oklahoma did miss some tackles. It certainly wasn't as bad as it was against Iowa State. But uh, you have to give credit, though, to Texas on a couple of plays, especially the first touchdown Texas scored. Perfect play call. Oklahoma blitzed, yep. uh, blitzed Stephen Parker from the blind side. They blitzed all these guys, and Texas had a screen call, perfect blitz beater. And that's the one thing where where you can kind of be discouraged a bit is that, and I'm sure Mike Stoops thinks about this, he wants to make sure he doesn't get too predictable with the blitzes and the man coverage because then what can happen is a screen pass can come up and it can make you look really bad like it did on that play. Yeah, and Lee, I have um... – I have this written down here in my notes. I, I jotted these down this morning as I was rewatching the game. Um, here's here's what my note says, Lee. It says Texas's offense was basically well called and executed screen passes to go along with Sam Ellinger scrambling. Do you have any any qualms with that? <laughs> that was that was basically their offense. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Notice uh, to add to that. Notice how the past two weeks, the last two games, a lot of the talk has been about Jordan Thomas. He was basically invisible in this game, with the exception of a nice play where he downed a punt. Yeah, other than that, they didn't they didn't really test him at all. I, I think a lot of that had to do with um, it because his Parnell Motley was was manned up one on one against Colin Johnson pretty much the entire game. Colin Johnson is their number one receiver, so I think a lot of it had to do with with Ellinger just trying to get the ball to Johnson. That's why we saw a lot more of Parnell Motley in this game, and I thought for the most part Motley held up really well. Um, outside of of that one um the uh the the double move play in the, in the fourth quarterly um yeah. which we can t- but i i don't i i think that that play is so hard to defend yeah oh yeah that's very um, difficult to defend that's that i don't think that's a big deal that that uh plays like that are basically um if if you're an offense and you call that play you're 
you're hoping for two things. First thing is one, you hope that they're in man coverage. And two, you hope that you have the protection hold up because you need both of those things to happen uh, for that play to connect. And, and that's what happened. I don't think Parnell can really, I, it's just, it, that's just a really difficult play to defend. I, I don't, especially because Ellinger had time to throw. They they moved the pocket to the right to give him more time, and plus it was just straight-up man coverage. I don't know, Lee, you're, you're, you're the ex-DB. Do you think Parnell could have done anything differently other than just know that that route is coming? No, and defend it no, he, uh, there's nothing you can do there. The route was broken off, and Parnell Motley broke off with the route, and then he released back up the field. That That's uh, one of the most difficult routes to cover if you're in man-to-man coverage, especially when the quarterback is given a decent amount of time, which Ellinger was. And to Texas's credit and Oklahoma's de- defense's credit, Ellinger got rid of the football just before he got hit, and he threw it just as Johnson got it out, like, out of his break into the second move of his play. So, I mean, it was just a perfectly executed play by Texas, and there's not a whole lot Parnell Motley can do there to defend that. And you just got to hope that he's able to catch up with them and the safety can go back at tackles and prevent a touchdown. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, that, that, was, that was a tough play. And then the only other one, too, when, Mar- when Motley was called for pass interference or holding, whatever that was, that, that was the correct call. No, there was yep. no reason for Parnell to grab on like that and hold the guy before the ball got there. Uh, he's better than that. He's better than that, and he didn't need to do that. So uh, that yeah, was that the right was, call. That was frustrating. It was the right call. Um, still, still really frustrating to see, though, especially with Parnell. But yeah. um, I, I, I suppose when you're going to be manned up the entire entire game like that, stuff like that's going to happen. Um, yes, that's that's a good point. Again, that's I would a good just, point. I would just yeah, I, I would just hope the calls would even out. So you know, uh, I, I can take a holding call there if you're manned up. You know, if they if they called, you know two or three holds on Texas's offensive line, but not to, not to harp on that again. I don't know. Lee. I, I just, I thought, I, I really thought Texas called some really nice plays at the perfect time. Some of the screen passes that they executed were things that I'd never seen before. There was uh, on the, on the drive where Texas took the lead, the play before Ellinger's touchdown run was a really kind of funky, really well-designed screen play um, to their tight ends that was a weird Dimitri, play because it Dimitri took, it took forever second. to develop yep and i i rewatched it it was absolutely uh it was a screen pass to that guy all of the way 100 percent um there was no second option on that play um it was a he, he wasn't looking for anything he was just waiting for the play to develop and I, it, what an interesting play what a long play to develop too the problem with that play is and that highlights uh, the oklahoma's lack of playing man coverage this year with the so they didn't have a whole lot of experience with it I think and I I don't want to single anybody out so I'm just going to say a linebacker that was man coverage because Oklahoma was in man almost the entire game that's a situation where I can't remember who it was but a linebacker needs to know who their man is and stick with the man no matter what and when that player got washed up and was blocking he the linebacker whoever it was just disregarded that player and then went after the quarterback and that's how he was so wide open because the whoever the linebacker was I again I don't want to single anybody out because I don't remember who it was but that was who that was on whoever was supposed to be on that that tight end slash nub slash wing player because when he got washed up and all the blocking the linebacker decided oh he's not in the play anymore I'm just going to go after the quarterback and in actuality the play was going to him the entire time and Texas got a big play and you know what, Lee? That's 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 why that play is so hard. It's just to it's defend. all about discipline. It's yeah, that's a tough play to defend because um, when you're in the game like that, and it's 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 a it's obviously a fast game. It's hard not to think, okay, maybe this guy is is done. He is just bo- blocking in this play, and it was it was such a long developing play where I think it's understandable to assume maybe that guy was out of the play. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I think I, I think that that's why it was such a well designed play. I've never seen a play like that before. I mean, that was. Um, and it requires I, I you can't you can't really run that play unless you have a, a mobile quarterback, which which Texas obviously does. Um, and I thought Ellinger, you know, executed it perfectly. And I, I do want to I do want to bring up just as it relates to Texas Lee, um, Sam Ellinger. I, he's a true freshman. He's but and and I think he he definitely has a long way to go as a passer. He's he's really really in, inconsistent throwing the ball downfield, but he's. He's he's the perfect fit to run a Tom Herman uh, style offense. He kind of reminds me of a right-handed Tebow, 
Um, he's big, he's thick, he can, he can scramble. He's not, he's not a blazer, but he can get up the field and he's got a strong arm, but just is not incredibly accurate as a thrower. So, um, Sam Ellinger is going to, is going to cause some fits. I would assume in the next three years for, for Sooner fans. Well, the last thing I want to bring up defensively and let me know if you have any other talking points you'd like to throw out there. I just want to to bring up the fact that Oklahoma's defense was on the field when the game mattered the most after Oklahoma's offense was able to give them the lead. And even though Texas was moving the football down the field late in the game, OU's defense was able to to, uh, get enough strength and enough endurance to make a play and get Texas off the field, which you got to give credit to that Oklahoma defense because the last two games, that confidence was not there. We, we were not confident in that Oklahoma defense to get a stop. And when Oklahoma absolutely needed a stop in this game, the defense got Texas off the field. And so tip of the cap to the Oklahoma defense and tip of the cap to Mike Stoops for having his guys prepared to play against that Texas team in a game Oklahoma absolutely needed to win. Yeah, Lee, I thought, um, I thought they were really good. I thought you can argue that that was the best offensive performance they've had this season, um, even you know considering the game in Columbus. Just really happy with with how they came out and responded after last week. Um, near the end of the game, there my my thought process was: I feel like if they play them straight up, um, I, I didn't. I, I felt like Texas couldn't move the ball, you know, down the field on them. And the entire time, I was thinking, just please don't call the perfect screen pass, and I think they'll be fine. And that that turned out to be, you know, to be correct. All right, let's move on to Oklahoma's offense against Texas in that game. And just like what we've seen all throughout this year, and especially the last two games, OU's offense was on fire to start the game, Grant. Just no problems at all. Baker Mayfield looking darn great, spreading the ball around. Trey Sermon looked fantastic early in this game. Great job showing an unreal ability, Grant, to take a hit and still get yardage throughout this entire game. How many times, and we've seen it all year, but how many times specifically in this game did it seem like Sermon was hit? maybe even behind the line of scrimmage, and then was able to, to muster three, four, five yards. I mean, that guy is getting better with each and every game. Oklahoma mixed in Rodney Anderson. He got 10 carries, provided a nice change of, change of pace with Abdul Adams out. By the way, Marcellius Sutton, once again a no-show, picking him to lead the team in rushing was officially the worst prediction of the preseason, so I'll, I'll own that right now. I'll own that. That was the, officially the worst call of our uh, preseason podcast, but overall Oklahoma's offense looked great. And then really the, the big issue for Oklahoma grant was the sooner stalled in the red zone and had to settle for some field goals, which credit to Austin cyber grant, he made them all and Oh, you needed all of those field goals. So Austin cyber, good job. And notice, uh, notice Thule how they followed my rule for college kickers, which is never attempt a field goal over 40 yards. So I'll give uh, Lincoln Riley a, uh, some credit for that. Cybert uh, was great. Um, he had obviously made all of his field goals. He had two spectacular punts, um, one that they downed literally on the half-yard line, the other one from his own end zone, and he flipped the field. Cybert had a great game. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on Austin Cybert. Also, a great we'll tackle to, yeah. by Trey Brown on that punt. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, co- yeah, in, in, uh, in, in punt coverage. Great play. Mm-hmm. Re- really, really good special teams play. Um, Lee, I thought, I, I thought the offense was... Uh, the offense looked it, it kind of followed the exact same recipe as the Iowa State game. They were they were really good in the first half, didn't finish out all of their drives. Um and then the second half they just didn't really have the ball that much. Uh and then the last couple drives they had kind of left a bad taste in their mouth because they didn't really move the move the chains too much. But I I thought the offense was good. I think Texas's defense is is the best defense they're going to see the rest of the season. I think that's pretty clear after watching them especially how well Texas's defense really since uh, their opening loss to Maryland, how they've played. I think they're, they're pretty obviously the best defense in the Big 12. Um, and when you put up over 500 yards of offense on the best defense in your conference, I think you, you had a good day. Um, I, I, I do think it is safe to say, as of right now, Lee, that, that Lincoln Riley maybe is going through some, some growing pains as a head coach, um, especially when you consider the last three games, how – they've really just been one or two plays away from closing these games out, maybe even in the first half and they're not necessarily able to make a play or maybe they get a little too conservative. Um, you saw in the second half of this game yesterday after, after the Sooners in the fourth quarter, I believe got a, got a turnover on downs in their own territory and they threw the ball three straight times. I thought that was odd. 
Um, just I, I, I thought the play calling was kind of inconsistent with uh, with the lead. And, and maybe that's one of those things where Lincoln is still just kind of feeling it out. It's one of those things that maybe he's not quite adjusted to yet as a head coach. And one of the things, well, just, just a new thing that he has to worry about. It's not something that I'm particularly concerned about because I think Lincoln's a really sharp guy. Um, he's, he's shown improvement. You know, this was that this game followed the same recipe. I thought a lot on offense as, as the last game. And this time around, you know, they were able to actually close it out against a better team. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. And, and you never know with Lincoln. He might be going through some through some growing pains, but he, he, he might be a total killer by January. You never know. Yeah, I just I hope he continues to get a better feel for being the head coach and also calling the plays. And that's, I think, kind of what you were trying to hint at there. And that's one of those things where it's a, a lot of, I guess a lot of coaches do it. Um, I, it's, I had some concerns about that because there's so much responsibility of being the head coach to manage game situations and then throwing the fact that you got to call plays on top of that. That's a lot of responsibility for the game. And obviously Lincoln Riley's an offensive genius and he's done a fantastic job this year, continuing to call the plays. I do want to bring up though. It is nice to, to, to know going back to the Baylor game when Baylor was making their run in the second half and the bears, did they, did they ever get the lead on Oklahoma or they might've tied it? I, I can't remember. They tied it. They tied it at like 28, I think. So so in that game, once Baylor pushed Oklahoma, tied the game, immediately Oklahoma got the ball back, came down, and I believe that's when Jeff Bidette had the touchdown, and then Oklahoma piled on, piled on, piled on. Against Iowa State, when Iowa State took the lead against Oklahoma late in that game, Oklahoma gra- grabbed the ball, came down, scored easily to tie the game back up again, but then Oklahoma's defense wasn't able to get a stop. And then, uh, of course, the Sooners' offense could not – get that two-minute drill down to beat Iowa State or score. And against Texas, right when Texas got their first lead of the game, Oklahoma gets the football, comes down, gets some chunk yardage, three plays, and for the first time, all half, Grant, Baker Mayfield takes a shot, and Mark Andrews is wide open up the far sideline for the touchdown. And that's, that's my biggest concern, really, is you mentioned conservative play calling. I would have liked to see Oklahoma try to take the top off more in the second half against Texas's defense because Texas is so aggressive, but Baker Mayfield didn't really try to stretch the field with whether it'd be Marquise Brown at that point because Jeff Bidette went out of the game, I think, late in the first quarter, and he wasn't available. So really, Marquise Brown was the only deep threat because CeeDee Lamb was playing, but he he certainly didn't look like he was at 100%. So I, I, didn't, I would have liked to see Oklahoma take a shot before the shot to Mark Andrews that ended up being the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, I don't know what it seems like, especially the last two weeks, how it looks like um, Baker's go-to receiver early on in the game, you know, he, he gets hurt right after he has a big play. Last week it was with CD. Um, he had he had two catches early last week and scored a touchdown and then got hurt. And, of course, this year with uh, um, this week with Bidette, he's got the long 54-yard touchdown on the, fr- on the first drive of the game, then one little five-yard screen pass, and we don't see him the rest of the game. I think them not taking the top off more, uh, I, I, I think a lot of that was because Bidette did get hurt. Um, I, I'm not sure if Marquise Brown is a guy that you want to be throwing deep shots to just because he's so small. Um, he, uh, Mar- Marquise Brown is more of a guy that I like to see with those little under, you know, uh, underneath uh, tunnel screens and uh, crossing routes, stuff like that. How I think quickly that's you Mar- forget is... 95 yard touchdown uh, in garbage time I, against uh Tulane. Tulane. <laughs> I know. And uh I, I do have here uh in my offensive notes Lee, Marquise Brown is explosive. I like getting the ball to him in space. He's a guy that I really like that little underneath crossing route to. That was the exact same play that they missed on last week uh against Iowa State yeah. on the final drive if you remember. That's true. Lee. That's and true. that's and and that's what they had set up. I mean, that's if they can actually get the ball to Brown in that instance. I mean, that's that's an easy twenty yards almost every single time. That's how well set up that play is. So I I, I think I, I think the offense played well. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to be concerned just based off of the second half uh, performance. I'm I'm not. I thought the offensive line played really well. Texas's defense, uh, especially their front seven this season, has outside of that inexplicable Maryland season opener has been really good, especially against the run. Um, the Sooners ran for almost 180 yards. I thought they did a good job keeping them honest in the run game. Um, Lee, how did you think, um, how did you think Baker Mayfield played? I, I, I wrote here that Oklahoma fans are spoiled with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I thought he was only okay in this game, but of course, relatively speaking, 
uh, to the rest of the country, he had a, he had a great performance. Oh, I thought Baker was great. I thought Baker was you fantastic okay. against Texas. I mean, just there was what two or three different times where he felt the pressure and got away from tons of guys and picked up positive yardage. And there was one where it looked like he was going down and sacked and still was able to get away and I think get a first yep. down. I mean, his ability to sense pressure and get away from it, of course, there's some times where he just can't avoid it because it's just a great defensive call. And, and he got brought down on, on that one late in the first half that uh, or was that was that late in the first half or was that in the was that in the second half? I can't even remember. I think it was the second half. Yeah, I think it was it was a, the, it was it was the second late half. in the third quarter, on. I believe late in the yep. third quarter. Um, yep. And that was a play where Texas uh, I know you thought the the blitzer was offsides. I, w- I went and watched it back. He timed it perfectly. He wasn't offsides. It was a great blitz. And he, and he got to Baker right in his face. I might have to go back and look at that. Yeah, go back I, and watch I, it. Go back and watch it. I, 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 the, I watched uh, it. I had the ability I, I, to watch it frame by frame while I was at work because I have a cool system where I can bring everything in and watch everything. Oh, it's awesome. You'd love it. It's 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 a film watcher's dream. And I paused it and went frame by frame, and he timed it perfectly. I, I guess, yeah, because I, I, I did watch that play a handful of times this morning, replaying it, and I still came away thinking he was offsides. So maybe um, I... I'll go back and look at it again. I'll just I'll take your word for it because you seem pretty sure about it. I may it. have to um, uh, to get to take you take some screenshots from work okay. when I go into work today, and I'll show you to you if, if you can't okay. get a good shot of it. But yeah, just to get more on track, though, uh, I think that's nitpicking. Um, I thought the offensive line in, in this game Lee played incredibly well. I thought they were spectacular picking up blitzes. Uh, Texas blitz pretty much every single play from different angles. They disguised it really well. The offensive line did a really good job. Pick, picking up the blitz um i i think they they continue to be a bright spot on this team i thought i um even even in a loss last week against iowa state i thought i thought the offensive line pl- played their best game of the season last year um they were really good last week they were really good again this week that's i i wouldn't i wouldn't be at all upset if if lincoln riley decided hey you know maybe in the in the second half of the season i'm gonna i'm gonna lean on my veteran uh, offensive line that's arguably the best in the country. I don't think that'd be a terrible, terrible idea. Um, any other, any other thoughts, Lee? I thought I thought it was nice to see Rodney Anderson flash flash a little bit of ability after being unheard of basically the entire season. Well, first off, before I get to Anderson, just an example to highlight how well the offensive line played, and then also just Mayfield's escapability. Third and eight in the first quarter, Texas blitzes three guys to Mayfield's blindside. Orlando Brown's able to slide over and pick one of them up and get a chip on him. Mayfield feels it, escapes up into the pocket, and com- completes a pass to Mark Andrews for a first down. Just, just an unreal play. And to Anderson, great touchdown run. He had a small crease. He shot through that crease, and he showed that that spark, that that ability to make to make it through the hole quickly that really Trey Sermon does not have. And and uh, Anderson got through that hole, and you got to give him a lot of credit too for able to be to for being able to stay up and keep his feet to dive into the end zone because he was hit at like the five yard line and was able to use his left hand to balance himself and dive into the end zone. So yes, I'm with you. Yeah, that's that's definitely Rodney Anderson's best game of the year, and Oklahoma certainly needed that change of change that. of pace in this game with Abdul Adams out. And so Rodney, he he just he does seem just like a totally different type of player so that it was good to have that uh that contrast between him and trey sermon uh rodney obviously has has a little issue i think um around the line of scrimmage he he's not as elusive there but once he gets into the open field he is he's explosive um and he's he's very good at kind of picking out little holes and finding them because he's so low to the ground and he is fast um so i think once he gets into the open field he's going to be a guy who's difficult to tackle and you saw that on that touchdown run they need to come up with some sort of way to get him the ball on on swing passes or onto the outside because as a between the tackles runner um i i'm not sure that he's a guy um who, who can really create his own run he, he needs really good blocking to get to the second level but once he gets to the second level man he's he's tough he's really tough um try, trying to think of oh um i i did want to bring up i think I think the offense is is really going to miss Abdul Adams uh, for how long he's going to be out. I, I think he's he's very important. I think the offense is at its most lethal when he's in the game because him and Sermon really do uh, really do create kind of that perfect one two punch just with their with their contrasting styles. I thought they missed Abdul Adams quite a bit in this game. I agree. I think he would have he would have 
played pretty well. I mean, again, Anderson played fantastic for the most part. But I think if Abdul Adams is in the game, he probably gets more touches than Anderson would have gotten to compliment Trey Sermon as well. I think, and again, we're a little biased, but you and I both said that if we had to pick one guy to play against Texas, it'd be Abdul Adams as opposed to CeeDee Lamb or Stephen Parker. And I think that what we saw kind of proves that cd lamb played not at 100 percent probably he had a good game he had three catches had a long catch over the middle but really oklahoma didn't necessarily need cd lamb in this game because jeff Bidette was able to step up early marquise brown had a nice game and and so did mark andrews so the fact that cd lamb played and i mean you know i didn't watch it close enough maybe cd lamb was kind of a, a bit of a, a decoy at some points too i guess that could have been a potential possibility that i didn't necessarily see on film sure but, uh, it, yeah, I agree with you. Abdul Adams, it'd be nice if he can get his health, get healthy as soon as possible. Back to Mayfield really quick. He did have that one interception, which really is his first play. of the year. By Tex- that was a really good play Man, by and, and that's and, yeah. Yep, you're 100% correct. Great play by the defender. Uh, his name escapes me right now, so I apologize to Bonnie him. Bonnie is his last name. I think it's John Bonnie. Well, he showed blitz off the backside and then – or off, I'm sorry, off Mayfield's, uh, off the front side, but he backed off after the snap. I'm sure everyone saw this on film. If he would have continued his blitz like Mayfield saw him coming, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. So it was the right read by Mayfield, just a great defensive play. Tip your cap. Yeah. So sometimes opposing teams make good plays. Yeah, and I think I think really the only way that um, he doesn't fool Baker on that is if he's if he's if is if he's not as good with his fake. I thought it was, it was just a good fake. It looked like he was committing to the blitz and and then he backed off of it. Um, to Texas's credit, that's that uh, you know you make your hay there in the film room. That that's something that they saw in film. They knew that Baker really likes to dump it off to the running backs in a situation like that with the blitz coming. They knew that. That's why they faked the blitz. They that that play was designed to get a turnover there from or to force Baker Mayfield into a bad decision there, and that's exactly what it did. That was just a really good defensive play, not on Baker at all. Although he although Baker did have um, a play in the third quarter where he threw it right to a Texas linebacker, um, and it should have been picked off. His worst throw of the season by far. Yeah, by far. Yeah, that should have been intercepted. That was awful. That was yep. really bad. And he just yes. he didn't see him. He just he didn't, he didn't see, see the guy. Didn't see him. And I do, I, I do want to mention a couple other things too. Uh, Jeff Mead had two really, really big drops. Uh, one in the first half, one in the second. half. I thought the half. first one wasn't really on Mead. I thought, I thought was Mayfield it threw it really, really hard and a little high. Okay. I mean, I get it. Jeff Mead's pretty tall. He should have probably caught yeah. it. But I thought Baker could have had a little more touch on that first one. I can't remember the second one though. The second one was right after uh, Texas had just uh, punted. This was in the either the third or fourth quarter. They had punted the. They stopped. Uh, they downed the ball at like the one or two yard line. Baker threw a perfect pass to Jeff Mead um, for a first down that just hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it, and okay. that that would have been huge. Of course, right after that, I think they had like a run for four yards, and then Seibert had his long like seventy yard punt, so it didn't really hurt them that much. But that would have been a first down. It would have moved the chains, got them out of the the shadow of their own end zone. I do also want to bring up a couple more. Baker did miss a wide open Michael Jones right over yeah, the field. That which was would have been a big probably play. a second worst throw of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, second. So he Michael Jones could not have been more wide open. He probably would have picked up another fifteen or twenty yards if he would have gotten him in, in stride. And then he also missed Michael Jones again um, in the fourth quarter. It was the third or fourth. Uh, I'm sorry, it was the third quarter. On a uh, on a third and three. Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. I- I'm sorry. This was the this was the second quarter right before uh, the it was the play before he threw the interception. He missed Michael Jones, who was wide open for a first down. Um, I think he threw it he threw it about a, a couple of yards ahead of Michael Jones, and 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 Michael had to could only just get a hand on it. And so there there, there was a couple bad throws from, from Baker. I just wanted to point those out. But but for the most part, he was really good. That's why I said he only had an okay performance because there were some really big throws that he missed that he usually doesn't. 518 total yards against this Texas defense. That's the most yards that the Longhorns have allowed all season long. And Texas has even played, Grant, two double overtime games. So opposing teams have had extra time to gain yards against Texas. Maryland in that first game somehow was able to gain 482 and that Texas defense like what the heck like how did they give up 50 to Maryland that was dumb because you see this defense on Saturday and you think oh my god I mean that's a pretty darn good defense and then then secondly USC only had 468 
yeah, I think this Texas defense is is really solid, and you, I think you also have to you also have to to mention that their offense wasn't playing as well as they are now at the beginning of the season, leaving the defense out there longer. True, and I think True. It just it, I think it just goes to show you that when in college football, when you play a team that specializes in doing one thing, sometimes they can just burn you. And that that Maryland team, uh, remember they still had their 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 first string quarterback who is who is a run first guy, and they they do have a good running back, so. I don't know. That was just a weird game for Texas defense. Since then, they've been absolutely lights out against the run. So I don't know what the deal was there. But um, I, I think for the most part, Oklahoma's offense played well. Hell, Lee, at the end of the first quarter, they were literally on pace for a thousand yards of offense. <laughs> I don't think that much. They had like 230 yards at the end of the first quarter. But it, it would have been nice if, if they would have been a little more consistent throughout the game. But but Texas Texas kind of settled into the flow of the game, and and the Sooners really didn't have the ball a whole lot in the second half. And um, I, I, I'm not too concerned that that really is the best defense they're going to see the rest of the season. And I may have some recency bias with this, this last point grant and, uh, you let me know, but that game watching it on Saturday, that to me looked like the most physical OU Texas game. I think I've seen, I, I don't yeah. remember. I mean, even in 08 and when they were both really good and even in 09, that 09 game was pretty darn physical too. That was pretty low scoring fair. Yep. Now that I yep. think about it, but, uh, man, I mean, it just, it looked like, I mean, both teams were, I mean, the hits were really hard. The, both teams were very tired at the end. I mean, it was, it's great that Oklahoma came out on top because if Oklahoma would have lost that game, it would have been just, I mean, in addition to basically being, obviously being out of the playoff picture, it would have just been a, a huge deflating feeling. And I could see Oklahoma just going in a tailspin if, if Oklahoma lost that game. Luckily, the Sooners were able to pull it out and rejuvenate, 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 yeah. <laughs> rejuvenate the season. Yeah, and I, I do, I, I do want to mention Texas um, just just one more time. Um, based off watching that game, I, it, Lee Texas is some offensive lineman and a dynamic running back away from being a national title contender. I, I really think they are. Um, and you know Tom Herman's going to recruit really well. He already has started recruiting well. They have the number two recruiting class in the country right now. Um, but but I think this this rivalry is is back. I think it's it's going to you, you're going to see another uh, you know glory days of this of this rivalry um, because Texas actually is pretty close. I think I think they're already they're already there on defense. That defense is really impressive. And uh, the the one big deficiency they have right now is just I, they're just not very dynamic at running back, and they have some injuries um, on the offensive line, and they're young on the offensive line. But other than that, Texas is. Texas is really close. I think this is obviously a transition year for them, but starting next year, I, I think the, the expectations for them are going to ramp up quite a bit. I agree with you on Texas. They are very close. It's a, it's a good football team over there. I'm curious to see how the Longhorns do the rest of the season. Also curious they to are. see how the rest of the Big 12 does the rest of the season because, Grant, yeah. I think the Big 12 conference is better than people give it credit for. Big 12 is really good Which we'll year. talk about. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, on our next show later this week. Well, that's it. That's OU Texas talk. Sooners win it 29-24. Grant and I are relieved and excited for the rest of the season. Is that fair to say? Very fair to say. I, I think um, they're, they're right back on track. I really think they're on track. I thought all they needed to do was win this game to get back on track because we all know this game can be weird. Um, and just the way that they finished it out, I thought was really impressive. They showed a lot of moxie and a lot of just a lot of a lot of guts with how they finished that game. Um, they they were on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they 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 refused to lose, and that was just really nice to see. We we haven't we have seen that earlier this year in Columbus. It was just really nice to see it again. I hope they just become a little more consistent as the season goes on. Lee, I'm with you, Grant. Well, that's our show. We'll be back later this week to preview OU Kansas State. And at that time, we'll also unveil our newest top 10. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.